Welcome back to season six of the Virtually Agile podcast. I'm Chris Stone, the Continuous Improvement Coach. In today's episode, we explore the impact that happiness has on high-performing teams. We learn some positivity experiments that you can try today, and all from the happiest man I think I've ever met. Grab onto your bow tie and buckle in, that will make sense later, and you know what to do to get the latest episodes as they land, subscribe or follow the show. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. It's great to have you back with us today on the Virtually Agile podcast. I'm Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and today I'm joined by quite possibly the happiest person I've ever met. If you're familiar with the Quokka, an Australian marsupial about the size of a cat, Anthony is a Quokka in human form. He's also an Agile Coach, a founder of the company Smiling Bowtie, someone who believes that happiness is a company's superpower. And he has a blueprint for happiness that can help those you work with. Welcome to the show, Anthony. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I am fantastic. It's another great day to be alive. You are always fantastic. I've never heard you say anything lower than fantastic. Yeah, for, for a lot of people, there's like a scale. Some people are like, yeah, the, the, the middle ground is, oh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm meh. I'm fine. For you, it's always fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, I look at it this way. Um, I could have not woken up, and that would have sucked. True, true story. <laughs> now, uh, Anthony, for those of you, well, those of our listeners, sorry, that aren't familiar, why not introduce yourself? You'll do a far better job than I have. Sure. Uh, my name is Anthony Tzavellas. I hail from Toronto, Canada, and I am a Scrum Master and Agile Coach, um, currently working for financial institutions. And um, I've been in the industry for approximately two decades. And um, I did everything from systems administration to DevOps. Uh, and eventually, I came to love the people aspect of tech. And uh, that's when I became a Scrum Master and Agile Coach. Outstanding. Long, long history. Then I think you even had a bit of a fashion background at some point, right? I did. Before I got into tech... Uh, I was a fashion designer. It's what I went to school for. And um, and what happened was the fashion industry imploded back in 2003 in Canada due to free trade to China. And so I had to fend for my family because I was broke. And, uh, you know, all the factories and mills went out of business. So um, a friend of mine had told me how much money he was making in tech. And I guess, uh, I guess, you know, as they say, the rest is history um, because I, I went back to school, um, got a uh, diploma in database administration and um, yeah, got my first job uh, out of school at Citigroup as a Unix systems administrator. For those of you who are, um, Probably the same age as I am. I think you know what Unix is. <laughs> well, there you go. I have just, by the way, realized why you are always so very dapper whenever I see you. And in fact, I've realized my error today. I should have recorded this on a Wednesday because I know yes. what happens on Wednesdays. <laughs> Anthony will arrive on Wednesdays wearing a bow tie. Yes. And, you know, for those of you who don't know the story behind Bow Tie Wednesday, um, this was a positivity experiment that I had run approximately eight years ago, where 
I was showing up to a uh, one of my jobs, and it was in a basement, and it was very gloomy, and the department just felt I don't know, kind of off, and I, I I wanted something that would uh, really give me uh, some inspiration um, to come in every morning, and so I decided that on Hump Day, on Wednesday, I would wear a bow tie to turn around the aura of the department, if you will. And um, when I first started doing it, people were smiling. And I thought I was onto something. So I continued doing it every Wednesday. And eventually, it got to a point where people were smiling every Wednesday. People started wearing bow ties. People started dressing up. And it was a great catalyst to positivity and happiness for the rest of the week. I love that. And I've, I've actually experienced this in a microcosm in person. And Auntie and I were at Agile 2023 back at the end yeah. of uh, July. And lo and behold, Wednesday came, Anthony donned his bow tie. And it's pretty much the first thing that people mention when they when they see him. They'll, they'll poke at it and, oh, you're wearing a bow tie. And they smile, as you say, brings a smile to people's faces. So I've seen this in person. It works. It does. <laughs> so I, I've been continuing to to do this over the past eight years. Um, doesn't matter whether I'm at a conference, I'm at home, going to a coffee shop, showing up at work. Um, it, it's just an all around great, um, great catalyst to positivity and happiness. And how many are in your collection? I recall it was quite quite the number. I have about 40 bow ties. 40 bow ties. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, I, mean, I can't even do the math right now for how many different consecutive <laughs> weeks you could wear. Uh, well, obviously 40. It's but... because it's because the, you know, the shirts that I wear, they have to, the bow ties have to match. Right. So. Of course. So why, why happiness? Why do you believe happiness is so important in the workplace? You, I, I mentioned that one of your beliefs is that it's a company's superpower. Why so? That's a great question, Chris. So when, when I was, this was back um, probably almost three years ago, I was doing cloud training and I wanted to get out of cloud training for the fact that I was working by myself. As you can tell, I'm a people person. I love people. And I wanted to look at how can I get a, another role in a more people-centric type of way. So this is when I discovered the Scrum Master role. And I finally made the big decision and I put a post out on LinkedIn and it got a lot of traction. And uh, one of the first people to reach out to me was my boss's boss from 18 years ago back at Citigroup. And he said, Anthony, give me your resume. I will um, bring this to my people and let's see if we can find you a job. And sure enough, uh, 10 interviews later with three separate teams, I landed my first Scrum Master job. Now, all this to say is that when I landed the job, I decided I wanted to take my VP out for dinner just to thank him. And one of the questions I asked them was, what is it that stuck with you all these years where 
you wanted me on your team. You you want you wanted to have me on your team. And his response was, Anthony, I've been watching you on LinkedIn for the past three years, and I love how positive you are. I love how you're celebrating people's successes. And I wanted that positivity and happiness for my team as well. Now, later on, uh, as we moved into dessert, he asked me another question. And that was, how is it that you're always so happy, Anthony? I, I want to know your secret. And sure enough, I, I, I gave him an, an answer that I don't, think was the real answer. And so it had me pondering about it, it had me questioning. And I kind of put two and two together. And that was maybe all this time, because of my happiness, this is why people were hiring me. And if that's the case, then how come other people are being hired for the same thing? And this is where I came up with the idea of how do I scale my happiness? How do I scale my positivity so that others can show up in that same way? Because let's face it, we all love to show up at work with happy people. We love to work with happy people. Nobody likes working with a grump, right? And so this is the idea behind Smiling Bowtie is that, you know, Happiness can be a company superpower, especially as a collective, uh, because as we all know, happiness is contagious. If you smile at somebody in the street, chances are they're going to smile back. It may be a smirk. It may be a full-on grin, but it may be you know, a, a full-on smile with teeth, and you can just feel it. <laughs> It might be a, a Christone half smile thing that I do. Uh, yeah, happiness is absolutely infectious. Yes, and so I, as I as I started to think about exactly how I was going to scale this, I realized that Bowtie Wednesday was the first positivity experiment. And so I thought to myself, what other experiments can I run to make people happy? And what will be the outcome? And so I started running some more positivity experiments with my team, with the teams that I work with. And sure enough, they became happier. They became more productive. They were always so positive. The mindset shift turned into that of learning. They always, you know, something something triggered them to to want to learn something different, to want to learn something more, to want to learn how do I work better. Before we uh, touch upon your top go-to positivity experiment, please tell me that there isn't some sort of certification coming out soon called happiness. <laughs> God, no. God, no. No, there, there's not a certification uh, although I I do plan to um, run some workshops on the happiness blueprint, and this is a model that I've uh, that I came up with that touches on a lot of the aspects that allows happiness to blossom, happiness to thrive, 
and uh, really takes positivity to that next level. All right, interesting. So your your top positivity experiment, you mentioned that it began with Bowtie Wednesdays. You began experimenting with different experiments, you know, trialing those out. Give, give us some examples of uh, some positive experiments and perhaps what your, your top one is. My top one, oof. My, my top one is still, I'd have to say, Bowtie Wednesday, um, by far. The origin, but... the origin story. <laughs> it is the origin, um, which, which is why, it, you know, it makes it so great because the, um, it, it still has so much impact and is a catalyst to other positivity experiments. But getting back to your question, my top positivity experiment the one that I've had a lot of success with is gratitude. Um, it can come in many different ways. But the experiment that I chose to run was one called Gratitude Corner. And it started off as me looking into positive psychology and was reading up on some things that causes a shift in mindset in order to become more happy. And one of them was gratitude. And that is if you write down three things every single day that you are grateful for, you will eventually become happier. And it's, it's scientifically proven. I was like, okay, I'll buy that. But let's see how that works in a work type environment. So after daily scrum, one day I said, hey, team, I just want to bring up something. I, I, I wanted to give a moment of gratitude on how much I love working with this team and how happy it makes me to come to work every day. And I said, I would invite you to do the same and here's why. And I explained to them the science behind it. And sure enough, the next day, a couple of people started to, you know, give their moment of gratitude. And it started to flourish. Everyone started to do it. And one person had coined it Gratitude Corner. And so every day after Daily Scrum, we did Gratitude Corner. And this, this caused uh, a chain reaction to the point where one of the members of the team decided that they loved it so much because it was a catalyst to the rest of their day, a catalyst to happiness for the rest of their day. And so they decided to bring it home with them and they decided to do it during dinner. And this was so eye-opening for me because they mentioned that it was, uh, it was so profound, the things that was said during, during dinner, that I, I, I just, it solidified for me what that positivity experiment can do for others. And so, you know, that one was was really just top of my list. So I continue to do it with every team that I work with. It's a great story. And I, I love the way that you introduce that as 
an invitation rather than a requirement, that yes. you reference the, the logic behind it, the why, the science suggests this, and you've, you've given that information, and then it wasn't forced. Now, I've, I've personally done my own variations on this in the past. It wasn't called Gratitude Corner. It was called Recognition Friday. And wow. I, I introduced it because the, the morale was particularly low. I had noted that in this particular company, and it was, it was quite a large company, very geographically distributed. We didn't have people face-to-face all the time. Recognizing others wasn't really a, a commonly done thing. And the way it started was similar to, your, to yourself. I, I led by example. I just went on a Friday morning. Hey, I want to try an experiment, folks. See how it goes. Uh, today or this week, these are the, the people that have done some, some fantastic work. or they, they've, they've done some great work that I just wanted to take a moment to recognize. I invite you to do the same. And the first week, yeah, a, a few people followed and, and, and had a go as well. The, the next week, I, I introduced it again. Same time, Friday morning, gave it a go. And, and more people responded this time. By the third week, I woke up or I, I started my day, noting that we were geographically spread and some people started their day earlier than mine. By the time I, I accessed our, our company-wide comms channel, there were already messages being sent there. So it, it had taken off. Awesome. It had just become part of the way they do things. We then began linking the recognition back to demonstration of company values. So it was a great way of not only recognizing the great work of others, but, but linking it back to the values that are so often just words on a company's webpage or indoctrinated into a, into a, a, a new joiner when they land. We made it part of our, our, our day-to-day culture by recognizing based on those, those values. And it was just a, a fantastic little experiment that I, I now will regularly give a go when I'm coming into a new team or a new company. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. I mean, gratitude just works every single time, whether it's you know face-to-face or asynchronously. It just it makes people feel great. The other little fun one I do is uh, having little team rituals. Like, um, yeah, you, you complete something, then we, we send some sort of celebratory gif, right? Or you have random email sign-offs rather than the generic kind regards or best regards. There's a reason that a lot of the time I sign off my messaging to people with don't stop believing. One, because I love Journey, who doesn't? But two, because it was just me experimenting with one day with a very a varied version of an email sign-off. And in fact, it, it that works not only for being remembered, but it brings a smile to people's faces. I, I remember contacting uh, Dan Pink, the author of uh, Autonomy, Mastery, Impact, or Drive, where he, he talked about the surprising things that motivate people. And this, I, I'd never spoken to him before. I just sent him a message via his contact channel on uh, on his website. And in my email, I invited him to be part of the podcast. Unfortunately, he was too busy writing his, his latest book. But I signed off with Don't Stop Believing. The thing that he responded about was, was Journey. He said, have you, have you seen this documentary? It's really great. And it was just... <laughs> It was a brilliant little anchor to, to the conversation. So now I, I often think of Dan Pink and I think of Journey. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so awesome. Um, it, it's just amazing how the little things that we do can, can really create an impact. Can indeed. Now, what I'm keen to hear from you, uh, the Mr. Happiness Blueprint, is uh, you've got all these positivity experiments. Uh, you're doing them, you said that they're backed by science, they 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 result in improvements. Tell me more mm-hmm. about these improvements. So what, how, how might you 
measure happiness? What are the signs of a happy team? What, what might someone begin to see in that team if you introduce some of these experiments? Um, people will start to see a more, I guess you could say positive and inclusive culture. People will start to see more trust being um, just between team members. And you'll also see more psychological safety. People will feel safe around each other because they've, they've already opened up. They've already uh, said all the great things. And it soon starts to, to be even more. It goes outside of just the work environment. It then becomes, hey, when are we going out for drinks? Um, I've noticed with one of the teams that I've worked with that it was a monthly thing. A, a lot of a lot of the members lived out of out of the city, and so it took them a while to to get to the office. But it was scheduled every month. They wanted to go out and not only have drinks and and food with each other but there was a no talking about work policy people wanted to know about each other they wanted to know what is it that drives them what are what are their hobbies what what makes them tick what what gives them uh joy what sparks joy um when it came to the work itself and and the the happiness started to come into play. I also noticed that people started working better together. So it was no longer about this is my task and this is my story. It was, hey, let me help you with that. Hey, I got some I got some cycle time. Who needs help? I, I've never experienced this before. And to hear that, to hear that people are willing to go out of their way to help another team member means a lot. And it also shows that they care and you get that in, in turn back the same way with so much more force. Um, it, it, like they, there's, there's so many more things that I can go on about, but this is, this this has been eye-opening for me. I mean, there's a lot of positive that comes out of it, but there there's also some negatives that come out of it. Because as I say, the happiness blueprint is not a framework because every team is different. And so therefore, we need to look at what type of positivity experiments can we run that work with our team. Some teams may be very closed up and they don't want to open up. Well, what kind of positivity experiment would you want to run so that they do open up? What is the first step? And the the model that I've come up with allows you to to look at well, what's the easiest way for us to to get that happiness in there? To to start spreading positivity. So starting with the, the path of least resistance, the smallest step in the, the right direction, exactly. rather than exactly. having a, a standardized approach. Yes. 
There was something else that uh, struck me when you were answering that particular question. You alluded to people caring about someone on an individual level. Mm -hmm. It always strikes me when one of the first questions people often ask when you meet a complete stranger, what do you do for work? I hate that question. You go to a wedding, people (laughs) bombard you with that question. So what do you do? It's almost like this really lazy question. And I, I hate the idea of me as a human being defined by the work I do. I'd rather be asked, as, as you alluded to, what I'm passionate about, what drives me, that sort of thing. So if, uh, if positivity experiments, if happiness experiments can result in people caring a little bit more about each other on a personal level, then I'm game. And, and here's actually, you spark something in me to ask. Um, I, I wanna invite you both you and and your listeners to try a, a positivity experiment that might just work for you. And that is the next time that you meet somebody new, instead of asking them, so what do you do? Maybe in, I invite you to ask them, what sparks joy for you? And that will actually get them intrigued. Oh, this person actually cares about what it is that that I'm excited about. I feel like and I've been thinking for a while about the concept of a a definition of fun or a definition of happiness. So you know how we have definition of done and definition of ready. <laughs> I, I, I love the that. idea of starting with a new team and beginning with the mind self, right? How can we enjoy it? How can we ensure that our work is enjoyable for us? And therefore, what might fun look like for this team? Noting that each team is unique, each team is different, each team has a microculture made of different individuals with passions, desires, interests, and likes. What is our collective definition of fun? And how can we use that to ensure we work together in a great way? I love that, Chris. And I think you should add that into one of your retrospective questions. It might just be a positivity experiment I try. (laughs) Now... Something I'm, I'm still keen to touch upon uh, with regards to measuring happiness. Some of the things you mentioned there were quite, uh, I guess, intangible. So, so trust, difficult to measure. Um, psychological safety, difficult to measure. Are there any, is there any more data that might convince someone to say, right, if I'm doing an experiment, and obviously an experiment should have a hypothesis, these are the things we expect to see will change as a consequence of this experiment. What, what sort of data that you can measure a bit easier than some of those things might exist from some of these experiments? Yeah, I'm, I, I was expecting that question, uh, which is why, you know, one of the, one of the parts of the model is, um, is transformation. And that's measuring and, and iterating on what it is that the positivity experiment was supposed to, to help do. And how we do that is through, first of all, the work that we do. How fast are we completing it? What's our cycle time? And are we actually meeting our sprinkles? Are are we finishing our work? Are we committing to the work it is that we said we were going to do? I found that before positivity experiments were run, that work wasn't being completed, sprinkles weren't being achieved, um, but afterwards, they were. And there was a little bit of 
carry over, and that's okay. But the sprint goal was always met. Another way to to measure is to is to um, run assessments, and you know these are voluntary assessments. But when you have people who are looking to grow, looking to learn, and looking to do better, they're usually willing to do an assessment to see how how are we working together? Are we happy with what it is that we do? And so when you measure this over the course of, you know, you run your first assessment and then you run a second assessment, I don't know, two, three months later, you start to see the correlation. And then you have that data where you can say, okay, this has changed, this has changed, um, this not so much, but that's where we can really figure out what is it that we need to work on? Um, what positivity can, experiments can we run to make that number jump up? Thank you for sharing. One of my favorites, it's a very intangible metric, but one of my favorite examples of how I, I often say that a team that is smiling and laughing is usually very well engaged, right? So again, you can't measure that. You're not exactly going to sit there and do a, a tally every time someone smiles or laughs. But when I, when I work with teams and I'm seeing that, I know that that's a team that's engaged, enjoying their work. Yes, definitely. And it gets to a point where the teams that are happy, other teams approach them saying, what's your secret? And it's no real secret. It's just people are happy. People love coming into work. Mondays are no longer a slog. That's Mondays like are happiness. Is yeah, happiness. exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's play a, a very quick rapid fire game, Anthony. I'm going to share with oh you. My. <laughs> I'm going to share with you some common scenarios we see in the workplace. What I'd like you to do is suggest just just off the top of your head a happiness boosting thing, experiment, whatever you want to call it, that someone could try to improve the scenario. And listeners, why not play along yourself? Think about what, how you would respond to the situation. Send in your thoughts if you'd like to do, do so. We'd love to hear them. Are you ready, Anthony? <laughs> I'm as ready as I can be. <laughs> ready as you can be. Don't worry. Okay, so first scenario, a recent product or project failure. So the way I would look at it is uh, to, first of all, celebrate that we actually figured out that it was a failure um, and find out what we learned from it. Maybe run a, run a um, more of a workshop to, to get a timeline on what it is that where where is it that we went wrong and make more of a game of it okay. maybe like okay. a you know e either a mural board or you know have everyone come in person and you know make uh make some you know non-alcoholic mimosas and um and and just make a make a game of it so that way people don't feel the I guess the the negativity of failure because we don't want to 
we don't want that to be the norm. We don't want negativity to, to be associated with failure. We want learning to be associated with failure. And so the way to do that is to celebrate what it is that we learned. All right, so we're reframing failure as an opportunity to learn. We're destigmatizing failure in the process. I talk about this all the time. It's what I call a, a failure fest or a, a fuck up party. You basically <laughs> just openly share and celebrate those failures. Clap, cheer, have drinks about it, whatever you need to do, but celebrate it as an opportunity to learn because that learning has provided you data, that data you can use to alter your trajectory and improve your chances of succeeding especially if you caught that failure early and save yeah. yourself a lot of time wasting not only, and otherwise. Not only that, Chris, it's, it's something that you can uh, also share with the rest of the teams in your organization. Say, hey, we, we majorly fucked up, and here's how it happened, and here's how we can remediate that from happening in future. Maybe do a lunch and learn. Okay. Uh, next scenario, that the team is understaffed, doesn't have enough people. Oh, my. <laughs> um, so this is, this is a, a very common scenario where I have... I've looked at this a couple of different ways, but one way is to is to bring that positivity back by saying, commit only to what you can work on. If we can't work on something that has a deadline, well, management knows that we can't we can't support this. So you can only do what you can do. And don't feel the need to have to work overtime working on weekends because no one deserves that and this keeps people happy it keeps them in a mindset of okay somebody's got my back and there are times where i have to step up and that's what leaders do they step up for their teams and you know take the blow but when when organizations understand that, you know, they can't just take all the work of 10 people and throw it on five and expect the same results. I mean, you know, we, the team looks at it as, okay, yeah, we're not producing the same amount, but what we are producing is of quality. And it's something that can go into production. It's something that is that we can be proud of, and that empowers the team. It it gives them it gives them hope. It gives them a better understanding of, you know, hey, it's it's not about having to push as much as I can and be burnt out by the end of the week, because then we're turning that mindset into, you know, working for the weekend, and we don't want that. We want people looking forward to or being excited about Mondays. It doesn't matter if you build a hundred features, if none of them are the right thing or add any value. So we're focusing here on sustained pace and realigning expectations with our stakeholders as to how much this team 
can achieve in a time frame, therefore reducing expectations of delivering you know, arbitrary numbers. Uh, another thing I like to do here is just acknowledge the suck. Just yeah. collectively acknowledge, hey folks, this situation sucks, and make a game of that too. Have a have a have a, a little cathartic moment where you just appreciate, hey, this sucks, folks. But where does it where does it where does it rate on the scale of suck? Is it is it super bad? Is it really is it is it just a minor inconvenience? That can be a good one too. Just um, measuring against previous situations. I'm conscious of time, Anthony. Where can our listeners learn more about you and your work? Well, um, even though my website is under construction, smilingbowtie.com, uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I live on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Twitter, or X, I think they call it now. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, most of the socials, uh, you can find me. Or you can just email me. Anthony at smilingbowtie.com. Uh, just to add, you are not living on LinkedIn. You are LinkedIn. <laughs> there's, a, there's an in-joke there. In, uh, in Orlando, there were lots of little sticker badges, things that you could attach to your, your lanyards. And one that Anthony happened to find, I couldn't find it. It literally just said, I am LinkedIn. I think we, we, we agreed. We, we believed it was supposed to say, I am yeah. on LinkedIn or something like that. I but will. it just became a joke where I said, this guy is LinkedIn. He, he is the, I, I think I, I told a few strangers that you were the creator of LinkedIn and they believed that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today, Anthony. Thank you for your infectious positivity and for sharing Thank your you. insights. We are, Thank you so much. We're always looking for new guests to join us on the Virtual Agile podcast. So if you'd like to be involved, you need but ask. To catch the latest episodes as they land, you know what to do, folks. Just hit that follow or subscribe button. And I'm going to say it. Don't stop believing. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You've just listened to another episode of the Virtually Agile podcast. Don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things Agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.